0: What's up y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. Obviously did not have a show on Sunday uh, with everything that was going on that day. Was not able to sit down and record. Currently recording this one as uh, Delaware St. Joseph's goes on as well as Mount St. Mary's and Towson, they're in the second, Delaware-St. Joe's, just got a man-up goal for the Hawks. It's 9-7 Delaware, about six minutes left in the third in that game. But So so we won't talk a lot about the midweek games um, on today's episode. I'll, I'll touch on Penn State-Vermont, um, though, uh, in today's show. But I do want to, before we, before we get to the midweek game, the one that we'll talk about: Penn State, Vermont, and previewing or you know looking ahead towards the weekend. Uh, do want to give a quick overview of the weekend that was? So um, there's a- about five or six points, I think that you know you really need to hit on when looking back at this weekend. Uh, Maryland, they're the best team in the country. They they beat Iowa twenty to eight, and look when you go and you watch that game and you know. I, I watched the first half of this game, um, and it was clear. I, I, I don't know what it is with Loyola, but um, it, it is clear that Maryland is much better, much, much better. Uh, they were more athletic um, in, in really every facet of the game. They dominated. I don't know if there's a whole uh, – if there's a deficiency with this Maryland team at this point in any – Aspect of the game. Phenomenal game. I mean, look, you lose Jake Bernhardt in the and winner, but you still have six, seven, eight, nine options that you can go to offensively that you know can have themselves a day on any given uh, game day. Um, you can roll the ball out there and these guys will play to the best of their ability really, really just a strong team, a stacked team at that. Um and look, Maryland, they, they're gonna play, you know, they've had the two and zero, Both their games are blowout wins. Um you know, but you do beat a number eight Royola team. Look Royola, um I know I have them picked to go to championship weekend. Um look they can still turn things around. Um, you know, you know, I mean, this is the exact same team that was one goal away from going to championship weekend a year ago. I, I don't know what to say. I know they struggled in some scrimmages. Um, they obviously really, really struggled against Maryland. Um, so we we'll see how they bounce back. That's going to be interesting to see. Um, but they're certainly not where they need to be at this point in time uh the Greyhounds or not. Um but look I'm I'm not gonna go and count them out in the Patriot League just yet. Patriot League is gonna be interesting. Lehigh has some injuries, um maybe sets them back army. Uh we'll talk about them here in a minute. They had a good win over UMass. So we'll see how things work out there. But in terms of Maryland, um, I think we know who they are and they are clearly the best team in the country and that's why they're ranked number one uh, this week. Now, the Terrapins will play on Sunday, uh, Syracuse. And this is a Syracuse team that is coming off a 28-5 to win over Holy Cross. Um, and look, I'll say this. I am, like, so this is a heck of an opening against uh, a team that you should beat to open the Gary Gate era. I'll say that off off the top. This is a heck of an opening. Um, and considering you didn't have Owen Hiltz there, which I don't think would have mattered either way, would have been the same outcome. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I mean, they showed, you know, and to me, you know, w- when you go into a game, I don't care who it's against, and you put up these kind of numbers, you're trying to make a statement saying, you know, we're back. You know, trying to push forward. For Syracuse, we all know what happened last year. I'm trying to say that is in the past. This is who we are now. Now again, it's against Holy Cross. Um, you know, I wonder Syracuse is playing Maryland this weekend. Look, I'm not gonna say I'm. I- I'm not. I'm not discounting Syracuse, Hugh, but but I'm not on the train yet. I'm not on the train yet. So. If they can even play Maryland close, um, play them close at all at any point in this game, um, show me that you can do that against a comparable team, talent-wise, theoretically. I think Maryland is a far better team than Syracuse, top to bottom. But this weekend is going to be a real test for Syracuse And this is really when we get to see, uh, at least early on in the season, what this orange team is made of. uh, Because, look, they rolled the victory over the weekend. Um, A team that lost over the weekend, Duke. They get their February loss. They get it off their back. And it's the Jacksonville. Congratulations to John Galloway and the Jacksonville Dolphins. Um, They're actually playing tonight here on Tuesday. Uh, against Moso, so we'll see how they, you know, come off of this win, um, a heck of a win, there, fourteen to twelve. Max Waldbaum had himself a day on the offensive end. Luke Milken, you know, played fantastic in cage. I just got to say, this Jacksonville defense, this Jacksonville defense, they had a game plan to beat Duke, um, and they executed it to a T. They executed that game plan. Um, they executed defensively as best as we've seen a team do against Duke in this early season. Look, um, Duke, they're going to bounce back. They're probably going to be a championship weekend team uh, or a potential championship weekend team as usual. Um, so I'm not worried about Duke at all. Um, they, got the, they got the loss off their back. Um, you know, normalcy has returned. Um, now in terms of Jacksonville, I don't know, like, does this win tell you how good they're going to be? Are they going to run through the SOCON? Um, certainly in terms of the teams that we've seen thus far, Richmond, High Point, and the SOCON, that top two, I think Jacksonville can beat can run with those guys. Um, that's been Jacksonville. That's been their thing. It's like we've got to get that next step. And I, I think certainly this year, from what they've shown in these two games against Hopkins and, and, and now Duke, Um and go one in one of those games and we'll see what they do tonight against Mosa. I think this is a Jacksonville team that can compete with anybody. Um, You know, if they play their best, now like certainly, are they going to go in and you know, let's say they they make the NCAA tournament, they're going to go in, play Maryland in the first round, beat them by you know, nine or ten. Like, no, if they play Duke again, I I I, I'm pretty sure Duke would win that game. Uh, I'm not saying they're that level ACC level, but Look, they they are certainly going to be able to take that next step in the SoCon this season. I kind of thought coming into the year, this was kind of, this was the year with no Air Force uh, opens up a gap there, and you know Jacksonville was ready to fill that gap as uh, you could argue they had already filled that gap last year as well. if You want um, or two years ago perhaps as well. So John Galway, Jacksonville Dolphins, congrats on the win, heck of an effort. Heck of a defensive game plan uh, executed very well. The next game I want to talk about is the Army and UMass game. This is one – this was an exciting game. Um, and, you know, UMass – so the, the the one thing that stands out to me in this game, you had Nick Turn with eight points. You had Schupel, uh with, I think, 18 saves in cage for Army. Um, the one thing that stands out for me with the Black Knights – and UMass – they will right with them the entire game. This is a UMass team that I think is going to be pretty good this year. We saw them have, you know, a really horrific season a year ago, uh, losing season four and seven, I believe they were, just not a good year uh, for Greg Canella and the Minutemen. Uh, but based on this one game and based on you know how they look on paper and everyone they bring back and bring in, um, I think this is going to be a good UMass team. Um, and they're certainly going to compete there in the CAA. In terms of Army, I took more away with, with, with Army from this game. You know, UMass, they played that guerrilla-style ball, stayed with the Black Knights. Army, they were missing uh, Marcus Hudgens in this game. Um, the top defenseman didn't seem to matter there. As I mentioned, Schubert was on his game in cage. The biggest point from this one is Stevie Graber. I mean, Stevie Graber... This was one of the nine one-goal games of the weekend. Stevie Graber, um, you know, Army has had a a really tough time at the face-off dot in recent years. Like, really, really had a tough time. Like, I remember the uh, Army-Virginia game last year. They played, like, seven guys at the dot because they couldn't get anything going. Uh, Stevie Graber goes 15 for 28, including... Uh, That face-off win with, like, what was it? Let's pull the box score here. It was, like, you know, just a a few seconds left, I I believe, um, there to, you know, put them ahead. Um, uh, 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 It was a very, very short time um, there that play was. Gets gets the face-off win, takes up field, you get the goal. That one really kind of not solidified things, but uh really signaled like army is here. Um and, and so Stevie Graber did a fantastic job in this game. Really what I took away mostly. Uh for UMass, Logan Leisberg uh had two goals for them. Uh Chris Connolly getting in there in the action. So exactly kind of the guys we thought we were gonna see. Kevin Tobin uh there as well. Zach uh Zach Hoachman Went one seven at the dot, did not have a, a solid day. They replaced him with Caleb Hammett uh there. So uh UMass loses to Army, but uh really UMass had they they had an opportunity there late, uh got a goal, got two goals within the final minute of the game, and uh get the win there. So heck of an effort from both of those teams, but uh really biggest takeaway, Stevie Graber at the face off Dot for Army, uh looks like Army has solved that that deficiency in possibly could go maybe farther than I thought they could with that. Um with who they have back on offense as well. Vermont and Utah, this is the midweek game of the week, I said. And uh look, I watched this game in full. Uh congrats to Utah. Biggest win in program history. Um man, this was a game in which I, you know Uh, the the Vermont offense, we we have so much reverence for them in in, in a certain respect, and they just couldn't get it going for nearly, like I want to say it was like almost a 30-minute, it was over 30 minutes in which they did not score. Um, You had, they they scored with 732 left in the first. They didn't get a goal again until uh, three minutes left in the third. Um, so they go to almost two full quarters, two and a half full periods without a goal. And uh, uh, it, it wasn't necessarily that Utah was playing such good aggressive defense they couldn't get shots off. It, it, it's just, they, they were making mistakes. You had issues in the middle of the field where Utah uh, was able to capitalize. And you know, Vermont eventually got things going again late. And they ended the game on a six on a 5-1 run. Um, Josh Rose with the game winner for Utah, 128 left in the game. Uh, Josh Rose, by the way, heck of an effort from him in, in, in this one. Um, two goals. They also play him on the faceoff wings. He had six guard balls, two cost turnovers, playing on the defensive end as well. Just a heck of an effort. And this is a really fun Utah team. Uh to watch playing guys both ways, uh in terms of offensive middies and D middies playing on offense as well, really, really fun game overall in Vermont, you know, we saw them against Duke, they have that kind of style where they can get it make some plays in the middle of the field as well, really a really fun game uh between these two though, so if you've not watched that, I highly highly suggest go back watch the replay. it's free. Um, probably the best game of the week. Last game we're going to talk about from the weekend is Penn State and Villanova. Uh, This is one where Villanova gets the win. Patrick Daly, six goals to highlight things here. Um, Look, this is a game in which I thought you really saw Penn State's deficiencies come out because when you look at... And when I say deficiencies, I mean the youthness. Um Villanova, this was a, a Villanova team, heavily veteran, um, has a lot of transfers. Those guys played good, I thought. Um when you look at Penn State, you see a lot of young guys. A lot of you have some tra- one transfer in Kyle Gallagher, um, who's a good transfer. You have some the older guys, Jacob Kelly, uh, but you also have a number of freshmen in there. And so with that, you have some mistakes that are made. And you saw that early on. There were some mistakes. They were able to get hot, and they, they, they eventually tied things up. And it was a really, really close game down the stretch in this one. Um, After I think it was like a 5-2 to two Villanova lead at one point in the first quarter, um, and, and Penn State was able to come back, so you no know, props to those guys for being able to do that with a number of young players. But uh, Villanova, I, I want to say experience won this one um, because Villanova just they didn't have those silly mistakes, and this one al- almost went to overtime. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they had the shot like literally hits the crossbar. Um, I don't know if if Vitten got a piece of it or not, but. It hits the crossbar um, and, and, and bounces out. Villanova gets it, and they're able to go down. Um, you know, Patrick Daly has the game winner uh, to get his sixth of the day, so uh, that's a Villanova team that goes and they play the Yale Bulldogs this week uh, in New Haven. It's the first, uh, really what I'd say, well, that and Penn Georgetown, which we'll talk about those two games on Thursday, the two marquee Ivy League games of the week. Uh, Penn State goes on, and they play Vermont. And uh, I'll go ahead and preview this one for y'all. Um, Penn State-Vermont on Wednesday. This is the best, what I'd like call the, the marquee midweek game uh, this week of week three of the season. um, And, uh, you know, both coming off losses, I think you look at Vermont, and this is a similar situation as what we saw with Villanova. Uh, Vermont very veteran laden. Penn State has a lot of young guys who've stepped up, who've stepped up um, this season and have really played well. Kyle Aldridge, uh, we've mentioned. Will Peden had himself a really good game on Saturday. Um, you know, I, my my biggest question in this one for Penn State will be. How this Penn State defense can handle this Vermont offense because, um, look, the goalie play that we've seen from Penn State from FIAC has been pretty good, but I, you know, I don't know if this, and we saw this on on Saturday as well Villanova being able to get some inside looks, um, and get some wide open looks as well. So, uh, th- they're gonna have to step up, Penn State will, on defense. Um, I'd have to think Tommy Burke uh, does his thing at the dot for Vermont. And I think just overall, Vermont is probably – well, they are the more experienced team. Um, I'd probably take Vermont in this game, uh, honestly. I I probably would take Vermont in this game if I'm picking, um, just because they're coming off uh, two losses in which they had things in the bag um, or looked to have things in the bag at times. Um, obviously, the Utah game was a bit different, but uh, Duke game, well, I mean, they were up against Duke. Um, so, this is a very good Vermont team against the Penn State team that I think is still pretty good. I, I, I question what they're going to be able to do in the Big Ten, but uh, from what we've seen, is, you know, they're growing, uh, they're getting better each week. Uh, so, uh, we'll see how that one goes, but that one should be interesting. And certainly, uh, you know, what I mentioned, the Penn State defense versus the Vermont offense. I think that's uh, one of the areas where Vermont can exploit that uh, if they are playing at their peak capacity. Moving towards the weekend, uh, some of the games I want to highlight here. Um, I'm not going to go a full preview. As I mentioned, this is going to be a, a quicker podcast where 19 minutes in, but uh do want to mention a couple games here um, and, and really kind of a big storyline coming into the week. So um, are, this week is really a prove-it week uh, for some teams. So – and the, the one game I'll preview here uh, more in depth on this show is – and we'll look at the rest of the weekend on t- Thursday show, but uh, Ohio State and North Carolina. Ohio State comes into this one with a 2-0 record after blowout wins over Detroit Mercy and Cleveland State. North Carolina comes into this one after wins over Richmond and Colgate uh, last weekend to get their season underway. Uh, you know, I'm inclined to think that Carolina is a better team than Ohio State. Um, but, it, and I think the Carolina offense is going to cause some trouble, potentially, for that Ohio State defense. Um, but I, I I, also, you look at the Carolina defense outside of Krieg, uh, you've got some new faces there. We've seen some slip-ups early on this season. If Ohio State can exploit those things uh with a guy like Jack Myers and Colby Smith, you know, it, it could get interesting. It could be a shootout. Um, the one area where we're gonna see a lot of emphasis in this game, a lot of talking points in this game is around the face-off dot. Uh Justin Anasio and Drew Blanchard as well, uh who's gone 77% as the backup. Anasio's gone eighty-eight percent versus the Carolina face-off unit, Zach Tucci, Andrew Tyer, and Chase Mullins. Mullins actually was the primary guy against Colgate, did very well, uh, the freshman did in that contest. So, you know, this, and look, the Carolina first midfield line, has been the story of these first couple weeks, or first couple games. They've put up 10 points. You have Henry and Harrison uh, Scherzinger, please how you pronounce that, and Ryan O'Connell starting there. They put up 10 points in those two contests over the weekend. I think they've looked good. Um, But what are they going to do against this Ohio State uh, defense? And look, as I mentioned with the Ohio State offense and the Carolina defense, it's similar the opposite way as well. I don't think either of these teams have faced particularly good defenses thus far. Um, I think Carolina has faced better teams than Ohio State, so I give them the edge. But this is really going to be an interesting game to see exactly where these teams are because they're kind of on a similar trajectory right now where you have some new faces, um there along with some old guys as well. Um Ohio State, you have Bobby Van Buren playing on defense who's done a pretty solid job. Carolina, you've got this entirely new midfield. Uh you've got freshman Paul Barton playing on defense. Um and obviously you have Chris Gray there who's you know you, you know your staple of this offense. So that one for me in terms of and, and we I already talked a little bit about Maryland and Syracuse. That's that one is more so on a prove it game for Syracuse. Um this one, Carolina Ohio State. I think both teams have gotta come in here and show people exactly how good they are. Coming back in here uh, a little bit later, guys. After we've had the midweek games uh today or the Tuesday games I should say, uh Delaware holding off St. Joseph's in what was the biggest game of the day. uh, Delaware 12, St. Joseph's 11. Um, Just seconds left on the clock. Owen Grant makes a game-saving cause turnover. um, Literally goes right into the slide. Uh, The St. Joseph's player does. Owen Grant puts that ball on the ground. uh, Does not allow the Hawks to get off a shot. In the final 20-some-odd uh, seconds of the game, they run out the clock, and the Blue Hens win. Uh, this was a really good game here. You had you know, Zach Cole, 69%, ended up dominating the dot. Didn't Wasn't the best in the first uh, period of play. Uh, I was, was like 40% uh, to and double, used multiple guys there, uh, but got into his groove there for St. Joseph's. Um, for the Hawks. Delaware, man, just two big runs, really, that define this game. Um, and then that late defensive stand that I just mentioned. And and they held the Hawks just one goal in the final period of play. Um, really, the defense really showing itself late in this game. Uh, they did put in uh, – so Matt Kilkeery made, I, I want to say, 10 saves um, in this game. Um Yes. Okay. Matt Kilhealy had six saves in this game. Look uh, at the box score here, and uh, Paul Leedy, Leedy, uh, uh, excuse me, the freshman out of uh, Charlotte Catholic in North Carolina, uh, he has uh, five saves. Played the final 18-15 of this game. Really stood his ground. Well, thought he played well in this game. Uh, Clay Miller, five goals for the Delaware offense. And, look, this is an offense that came alive uh, really uh, in, in the early part of this game uh, as you saw the Hens go on a 7-1 to one run to end the half. Uh, that was after they were down 4-1 to one, uh, late in the first. They you know, knock off six straight, uh, get another one to go right before uh, the half, and they're up 8-5, to five, have that 8-5 to five advantage coming into the halftime. Uh St. Joe uh St. Joe's is able, you know, to get some things going again. They go on a run of their own. You know, when you have Zach Cole winning those face-offs, uh, you have that momentum going your way. St. Joe's able to capitalize off of that. Um and look in the second half, they had uh three man up goals. Uh penalties on Delaware in the second half, particularly in the third, um, did hinder them. Um, And really, you know, the Hawks took advantage of those man-up opportunities, cashed in on those. Tucker Brown had two man-up goals in this game. Uh, Mac McLaughlin had the other one uh, there in the third period of play. Excuse me, in the second half, I should say. There was two in the third, one uh, early in the fourth. So in the second half, they had three uh, man-up goals there. Um, and, And two of those from Tucker Brown were part of a four goal run uh, there in the third, which helped the Hawks. I mean, they're down eight to five. Uh, you, you know, they were able to come all the way back. They get up ten to nine, um, and then we see Delaware going a little run of their own, knock off three straight. They get up twelve to ten. They don't score again, uh, but you know the 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 Hawks are able to get that one goal. That goal there, um, from. McLaughlin to make it a one-goal game. Delaware defensive stand uh, ends things there. As I mentioned, goalie play from the from the Hens, um, pretty solid from both guys. Defensive play overall, pretty solid uh, from the Hens, you know, start to finish, but especially in that second half. Clay Miller, five goals. Uh, career high, five goals, I might add as well. Uh Towson took down the Mount uh, Mount St. Mary's thirteen to eight. Uh well this was a game at the beginning. Uh the down three two is at the end of the first. Uh they outscored Mount St. Mary's eleven to five in the final three periods of play. Um and you know that included a six goal run um from you know seven sixteen in the third through twelve fourteen 14 in the fourth uh, to get ahead by eight, uh, 13 to five. And that put things away. Kyle Berkeley, James Avisanto, Nick DeMayo uh, were involved on five of those six goals during that run. Uh, that trio had 13 points on the day. Berkeley, one goal, four assists. Avisanto, three goals, two assists. DeMayo had a hat trick. Shane Brennan, 12 saves in Cage. Uh, really just an all around great effort from Towson in this one uh, to, to really explode for the win. Griffin McGinley, 15 saves, uh, seven in the first quarter alone, really uh, subdued that Towson offense early on. But as the game went on, uh, the Tigers not only offensively, but defensively as well, able to break free, able to get the win. Um, another game in which the winner broke free eventually, uh, Jacksonville takes down Mosa in Savannah, Georgia. Um and this was a 3-3 game. Carl Klepler with 322 in the first. Um, you know, ties things up for Mercer. But, you know, just a few minutes later, with 16 seconds left, we see uh 16 seconds left in the first quarter. Max Waldbaum gets a goal. Uh that would have been his fourth of the day, a four-goal. Post period for the Tufts transfer, he ends with five. Went as also having an assist as well, so ends with six points. Uh, Jacob Greener also had six points off five goals and one assist as well. Jacksonville absolutely devours Mosa, twenty-one to twelve. Um, they went on this massive run here. Uh, there, you know, the sixteen to eight heading into the fourth. Um and, and final period there put up five five more uh to make it a nine goal victory. Um you no know, nine one dolphins run from the third from uh you know early in the third into early in the first uh, early in the third uh fourth I should say, um that put this one away. Sean Goldsmith a hat trick. Ashton Wood goes 67% at the dot. Uh, but that does not matter as it is a 21 to 12 dominant victory for the Jacksonville Dolphins, uh John Galloway and the Dolphins now 2 and 1 on the season. Is that correct? Yes. 2 and 1 on the season. Beat Duke, beat Mosa, lost to Hopkins. These two will meet again on April 23rd. Mosa and Jacksonville will. This was a non-conference uh neutral site game uh between two SOCON opponents. They will meet again April 23rd in the regular season finale for both. I will see y'all again on Thursday. We will preview the rest of the weekend slate as well as recap. Some other midweek games coming up on Wednesday night, in particular Penn State and Vermont, as we talked about a little bit on this podcast earlier. Again, thanks, guys, for tuning in, and we'll see you all on Thursday. As always, acrossbucket.com is the website at Quick Cross Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is where you can connect with us on social media.